are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. I am starting with Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. The triumphal entry. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you and enter it. You will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colts, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And now we will move to Psalm 27, verse 4 through 6, and then 13 and 14. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Well, thanks, Jacob, for reading scripture for us. Jacob's one of our college students finding themselves back home now, finishing the semester from a distance. It is a very strange new reality that has set in. But I think for college students, it also has its upside, like home-cooked meals. So no more ramen noodles or cafeteria food. All the kids are back home in the nest. Even under these strange circumstances, I look forward to Sunday mornings, and it is such a joy to worship together with you, to stay connected this way. We continue to pray and persevere through a very challenging time. You probably remember in February, not long ago, we studied the book of Nehemiah, and that's where we find this verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so we are receiving strength from the Lord as we celebrate Palm Sunday together today. Our theme for the message is Jesus is King. And my kids saw that earlier this week, and they asked me then, they said, did you title the message after Kanye West's latest album? And I looked at him and said, no, that had not been on my mind, but I guess they're exactly right. It goes by the same name. So today we're going to focus on what it means that Jesus is our king, and we're going to connect the Palm Sunday story to the biblical concept of waiting. 
there's lots of things in life that we have to wait for. Big stuff like a driver's license or getting married or having a baby, but also lots of smaller things we wait for, like green lights and coffee drinks, Amazon orders and oven timers. And speaking of ovens, speaking with you today from our kitchen at home, and I've been reading about a huge uptick in what they call stress baking. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but with so many of us stuck at home and the worries that are on our minds, apparently a lot of people have started baking. They call it stress baking. And I've seen recipes called isolation bread and quarantine cookies. And maybe you've heard the saying before, stressed is desserts spelled backwards. So I was feeling stressed, I mean, inspired myself and decided to do a little bit of baking so that we've got something for this afternoon. So I'm going to bake chocolate chip cookies for the kids, of course. I've got the oven ready to go and I'm just going to toss these chocolate chip cookies in there. We're going to talk for a few minutes and then we will check in on the cookies in a few minutes. I had to improvise because we didn't have the normal chocolate chips in our kitchen. And so these are mini chocolate chips, but I think they will taste just as good. So that's our direction this morning, is uh, we are going to talk first about Jesus as King, and then what it means to wait on the Lord. And I feel like this takes on special significance this year, when the world feels like it is spinning out of control, and we're waiting for things to be put back in order. What does it mean that Jesus is king? What does it mean that he's sovereign over all the earth, that he's almighty and in control? I mean, how do you sing Hosanna when a pandemic is on the loose? How do you wave a palm branch and welcome a king when our economy is being crushed and folks are losing their jobs and people are getting sick and dying? What are we saying today on Palm Sunday? about the kingship of Jesus? What are we saying about the nature of his kingdom and what it means to truly wait on him? And very personally, you might ask this morning, how can I trust that Jesus is king when there's all this chaos around me? So to find our bearings in these questions, we're going to turn to our Bibles. And so I encourage you to have that with you in front of you. We're not here, certainly, to hear my opinion on those questions or some philosophical musings or a nifty TED talk on the subject. None of those things will do. But what you and I need is the clear and authoritative word of God. And so we are asking the Lord this morning, what does it mean that you are my king? And to answer that question, we are turning to the source and we open the book saying, Jesus only you have the words of eternal life. And so have your Bible there in front of you. Open it to Luke 19, and we're going to start with the Palm Sunday story. And by the way, just as a note, if you can't just open your Bible and find Luke 19 because you don't know where it is, I just want you to know that that is perfectly fine. We are all learners here. And fumbling around in this book is how we get to know it better. It's the same thing that I do. So here's a few tips if you're looking for Luke 19. Luke's a good two-thirds of the way through the Bible. There's three other names around it, so you know if you're close. Matthew, Mark, then Luke, and then it's followed by John. 
You might also use the table of contents in the front of your Bible, and you can look up a page number there. That's another way to go. And then if you're using your phone, of course, you could always just Google Luke 19 and click the top link and you'll be right there. I'm reading this morning from the NIV translation, though there's plenty of other good ones. And we're in Luke 19 here, starting in verse 35. So before us, we have the Palm Sunday story, though in the Bible, you'll often find it called the triumphal entry. And in this story, Jesus is entering the capital city of Jerusalem. His departure city at the beginning of Luke 19 was Jericho. And it was this windy uphill road from Jericho to Jerusalem. His disciples are with him. And around these little towns of Bethphage and Bethany, Jesus sends two of those disciples on up ahead on an errand. Now, these villages are just a couple miles before Jerusalem. Uh, Bethany was the hometown of three very close friends of Jesus, siblings, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Bethany was just two miles east of Jerusalem, just over the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus knew this area very well, and he sends two of his disciples ahead to borrow a donkey. Now, you may be noticed in our passage in Luke, it says colt, which indicates its age. Both Matthew and John include the detail about it being a donkey. So it's a young donkey, a colt. And then Matthew adds the detail that its mother was also along by its side for the walk into Jerusalem. Now, all of this from another time and culture in this story, we have to be careful to not miss the significance of these details. And here's why the donkey on Palm Sunday was so important. There's two reasons. Number one, kings rode donkeys. I know to you and I, that sounds very strange because at least when I think of a donkey, I think of Eeyore. So I'm trying to imagine this and it doesn't quite fit. But in the Bible, a victorious king would ride a donkey. And furthermore, when he rode a donkey, it meant he was coming in peace. So if he was going to war, he rode a horse, a war horse. But if his victory was already won and his authority was established and he was traveling in peace, then he was on a donkey. Secondly, second reason the donkey is important is because it shows Jesus fulfilling prophecy about the promised Savior. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, said this, See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. All these promises in the Old Testament, looking ahead to the time when a savior would arrive as king of Israel, and, and one of them was that he would come riding on a donkey specifically a colt, the foal of a donkey, and that's exactly what we see on Palm Sunday. So back in Luke 19, we pick up the story in verse 35, where I'll read it. It says, they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So in other words, you have to imagine them taking off their robes, that's their outer garments, and spreading them on the road before him. Now, if you took off your jacket and spread it out there in the middle of the road, people would think that you're crazy. But again, this is another cultural clue as to how people understood who Jesus was, that he was the king. Because as they did this, this was a way in Bible times that they honored special dignitaries. We see it, for instance, with King Jehu 
in the book of Second Kings. They took off their cloaks and they made an impromptu red carpet. Now, along with their cloaks, they're also laying down palm branches. We get that detail from the other gospels, that they're waving branches in the air and then laying them down on the road along with their cloaks. And this too has a kingly overtone to it. The palm branch was a symbol of royalty and victory. So everything that the people are doing here is in recognition of Jesus as king. And that includes their voices, what they're saying. They're singing and shouting in verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And other gospels would include the word Hosanna. We have to always keep in mind, Luke was writing specifically to a non-Jewish audience. And so he's translating into a different context. But this is where we get the Palm Sunday word, Hosanna, and it means save us. It's a cry, a declaration of Lord, save us. And we see this word in some of the other phrases here in Psalm 118. Again, this was foretelling the coming king in Psalm 118, and we'll drop it in the comments so you can see it. Psalm 118 says in verse 25, Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all of this together, the donkey, the palm branches, the cloaks, the shouts of Hosanna, they're all ways that people are saying, Jesus is king. Our king has come. The Savior is finally here. And that's why the Pharisees, the religious know-it-alls, say to Jesus in verse 39, they say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And I think there was probably a lot of anger in their voices when they said that, like, you better calm this Savior stuff down, Jesus. You, you don't know what you're doing. You are not the king. And then what does Jesus say? The last line of our story. I love this part. Verse 40, he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is saying, even if people didn't recognize me, my creation would. And it would rise up to praise its king. And Jesus is echoing beautiful Old Testament passages here. I'll just mention one of them, Isaiah 55, where it says, The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And picture this, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Isaiah 55, 12. This week I heard frogs chirping for the first time. A sure sign of spring. It was like a chorus of praise to their creator. Just the most beautiful sound in the night. The Palm Sunday story is powerful. And at the heart of it is a people who had waited a very long time for their king to come. They'd been waiting for the promised son of David, the heir to his throne. And David hadn't been king now for a thousand years. So they'd been waiting for generation after generation they lost their sovereign power, and nations came in and just took over and destroyed the lands. The Assyrians crushed the north. The Babylonians destroyed the south. Then the Medo-Persians took over. Then the Greeks came in after that. And then the Romans, now at the time of the New Testament, always they were under the thumb of an oppressor, never in control of their own lives. They had waited for the king of Palm Sunday for a long, long time. And speaking of waiting, I think I need to check on my cookies. 
and make sure that they're looking okay. They must be about done. We'll see if you can peek in there with me. Oh, looking very nice. I never want to overbake them, you know. They should be a little bit soft as they settle in. So we'll throw those up there. Again, for the kids, right? The kitchen is a place where we're used to waiting, isn't it? For cookies, for dinner, for the dishes to get done, for some things to cook, for other things to thaw, for family members to arrive at the table, for family members to clean up after themselves. The kitchen is a place of waiting. And in life, we're very much in a place of waiting right now, aren't we? And I wonder, and I want to just ask you to reflect on, on how you're waiting in this season. Are you stress waiting? Or are you waiting on the Lord? Because whether we like it or not, we are in a place of waiting right now. We're waiting for this virus to go away. We're waiting for a vaccine or medicine. That's a long time coming. Uh, we're waiting to go back to work, back to school. We're waiting to be able to go back to stores like we used to and just be able to run errands around town again. We're waiting for sports and concerts and travel. We're waiting to be able to see our family and friends again and to be closer than six feet away. We're waiting to shake hands again and to give hugs and to go back to the Y and go to church. We're waiting for things to be set right again. And we feel it, don't we? that this just isn't right. It's not the way it's meant to be. But waiting is a fact of life. And as we've pointed out, we wait for a lot of things in life. And it starts early. I mean, what is the classic question from the backseat of the car when you're on a road trip? Are we there yet? And you hear it over and over again. Are we there yet? Have you been asking God that question in one way or another? You know, like you're in the back seat calling out, God, are we there yet? Can this be over? Can I be done waiting? Waiting on God is seen throughout the Bible. To wait on the Lord, as I said earlier, is a key biblical concept. And Psalm 27, our other reading this morning, is just one of the many places where we see this expressed. So turn there with me, if you would, to Psalm 27. And if you're looking for the Psalms, they're about in the middle of your Bible. As we look at Psalm 27 in this reading, you know, we could just skip to the end, right? Because that's where it specifically says the word wait, it says the word wait twice. But I want to show you a few of my favorite things about this, because this whole Psalm is really a Psalm of waiting, the whole thing. And I just like for it to be able to wash over us again, because this is how we want to wait. Verse 4, where we started reading earlier. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. And the psalmist here is saying, I want my life to essentially be about one thing, and that is to enjoy the presence of God to live my life in his company, to look upon who he is, right? It says to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to do his will, to seek him. 
verse 5, for in the day of trouble, and I was reading that this week thinking, are we in a day of trouble? Yes, we are. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. It says, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Last week, our theme was Jesus is our shelter. You might remember that we looked at the Hebrew word for shelter, sefer, and we talked about the hiding place. And here it is again in Psalm 27. It says, he will hide me in the shelter. That's the word, the sefer of his tent. And the picture of that word is that God hides and protects his people like a mother bird hides and protects her young under her wings. Verse 6, Psalm 27, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, which to me sounds a lot like Palm Sunday, doesn't it? Listen to what it says. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And then verse 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What can you and I be confident about right now? Frankly, not a whole lot. But there is something that is as sure and confident as the day is long, and that is the goodness of God. The goodness of God. And it's a bold statement to say that when you're in the middle of waiting, when things are falling apart, when you lose your job or school doors close, when your plans go up in smoke, when you're anxious or nervous or afraid. And the psalmist is saying, you know, I don't know much right now, but I do know that I will see the goodness of the Lord. And I want you to know that you can say that right now in your living room or wherever you're listening to these words, that you can echo this psalm and you can declare right out loud, one way or another, I will see the goodness of the Lord. And you will. That is your hope and your future. And for right now, you're waiting on it. And that's where the psalm leaves it. Verse 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Last week, we learned about the word for shelter. And this week, it's the word for wait. It's the Hebrew word kava. So to kava, the verb, kava for the Lord, wait for the Lord. And in ancient Hebrew, scholars believe its first usage was actually around the idea of to twist or to stretch. And you might be feeling stretched right now. And that's exactly the idea. Eventually the word settled in in the language to mean the tension of enduring or waiting. And one of my favorite things about this word kava is that there are actually two ways to translate it. It means both to wait and to hope. And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, aren't those two things so closely related? There's that passage in Isaiah 40, verse 31, where it says, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And other translations say, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I want you to know that you have 
all the reason in the world to wait on the Lord and to put your hope in him. Jesus is powerful. He's humble. He's peace. He's the overcomer. He is your shelter. And today we proclaim that Jesus is king. And my brothers and sisters, my friends, I want to ask you if you have welcomed him into your life yet. Have you welcomed his kingship to reign over all of this chaos, over all the confusion, over your disappointment, over your fears? Because Jesus was the king worth waiting for, the humble king who came to save us. And one day we know he will come again in power to set everything right. In the meantime, here we are waiting. But even in the waiting, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.